Hello, everybody. Today you have Jake and Seth. We're going to do a quick news segment. It is Thursday, March 17th. Happy St. Patty's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, yes. Do you, do you like my accent? I did. That was a great little Irish Thank thing you. I did there. Uh, you, and nobody can be offended because I'm half Irish, which I've learned the Irish really hate when you claim that as an American, but it's true. It's true. So, well, happy St. Patty's Day. That's the good news. The Starting off with a little sad news today. William Hurt, great actor, 71, passed away. Former Oscar winner, um, known for Body Heat, Kiss of the Spider Woman, Children of a Lesser God, Broadcast News. Also more recently, he was in some of the Marvel films. Uh, yeah. yeah, really sad. He died. Seth, throwing it to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought he was a, a really talented actor. He's kind of from that, like, I want to call it sort of a fraternity of actors you know definitely like being part of the big chill i feel like that's like a certain group of people you know people like kevin costner um kevin klein um jeff goldblum you know just kind of like they were all kind of in their prime uh in the 80s really and kind of turned into like older actors you know as the decades went on um i always thought he had a certain type of talent though um I actually kind of feel like sometimes he would play dramatic roles comedically and he would play comedic roles kind of dramatically. He kind of had this ability to kind of go against type inside of a role sometimes. Um, I really thought he had a lot of range too. Um, you know, he kind of plays like a pretty boy um, in broadcast news. Um, uh, another role I really like that, that he had is uh, History of Violence. He, you know, he got a Best Supporting Actor nomination in that movie and he kind of plays this older mobster and like really has a in just a few scenes um, is really able to like intimidate and, and kind of pull off this, this like uh, Philadelphia accent. And just like, it's just a really good, I love when guys show up for like a small role like that, but they really kind of knock it out of the park. And so he had that ability too. you know, I think he could be a leading man and a supporting actor. And yeah, even, you know, ventured into the Marvel movies kind of at the end of his career. And so great career. I mean, I think he, I, I you know, it's weird to say, I mean, I know he's in his seventies, but it feels like he died young. I felt like he still had roles in him where he could have been effective. And so, yeah, it was sad to see him passing. He's one of my, one of the actors I really liked. Could you agree more uh, in terms of, I, I knew he was older, but 71, like he felt much younger and I know they've done de-aging and everything, but regardless, that's young. 71 is young these days, especially for an actor. I didn't disclose his death. It doesn't matter why, how, but um, yeah, just, uh, the first thing I couldn't agree more and what bothers me is I think they kind of wasted him in the Marvel role since that first Hulk movie. Um, just in the sense that he was underused. Like I thought he was really good in Civil War. I thought he was well used in maybe Civil War, but then they kind of just use him as a cameo as an attack on it in the two last two Avengers films. I, it, and in Black Widow, I am not saying I'm sad because I don't get to see him in Marvel, Marvel movies, but... Uh, just part of that frustration whenever you lose, like an actor, anyone, the frustration that you're not gonna, your mind immediately goes. Yeah, and it's like he just wasn't a guy that was like sort of. I, I was like, this is this guy's at the end of his rope. Like I just thought, you know, he had at least another five to ten years, of, you know, doing supporting actor roles or you know showing up in like a Marvel movie or something. And, and so I do think maybe at the end of his career we were kind of taking him for granted a little bit. Um, and he's also, I mean. It's funny, I was talking to my brother about him, and he was like, he's kind of one of these guys, like, he felt a little overrated when he was alive, but now that he's dead, it actually kind of feels like he's underrated. And it's like, I, I kind of agree with that, where it's like, 
Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't have said, said he was Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, when he was alive, but now that he's gone, it's like, I'm going to miss him. Like, he was good. Like, uh, you know, I was never unhappy to see William Hurt in a movie. It's funny, he had, like, an interesting career to, uh, the Wikipedia, most of the things are featuring those movies from the 80s, uh, but he had movies in the 90s, too. Was it Michael, like, with the John Travolta film, which is really great? Like, he had, yeah, he had an interesting arc, and... It's like he was Daniel Day Lewis without the psychopathy, uh, the, the the modern. Like it just was like he seemed really accomplished, but also seemed like I don't want to say he peaked early, but like he did peak from a critical standpoint early. But then even I think he was nominated for History of Violence. Like he just had a really, I'd say he plateaued, and I don't mean that in a bad way. He was just was a really good actor for thirty years. Yeah, and like I think he was actually like one of these guys that was really dedicated to like the craft of acting, and like it kind of comes through in a lot of those roles where it's like you see him trying different things. He would try to push himself to get to do different types of roles and stuff. But yeah, I kind of agree. Like he did kind of hit a peak, I think, kind of in the late '80s. Um, but then yeah, he kind of you know he didn't turn into like a Tom Hanks kind of name brand type of guy. Like he just kind of turned into like an actor's actor. And I think anybody into movies like would know William Hurt, but like the average person might might like would probably recognize him, but might not know what his what his name was. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect way to describe him. And yeah, it, couldn't have said it better than your brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, didn't like didn't I, I didn't feel that way about him being underused. I think until he passed, and that's again, as I said, not the, not the tragedy here, but just generally the the, the loss of that feeling. You, you think of it's always too soon. And it always feels yeah. that way. And I didn't even know he was sick, so. Yeah, no, yeah, super sad. We'll miss you, William Hurt. Yeah, we'll miss you, RIP. Condolences. Um, moving on to some entertainment news. The Batman is now in its going in its third week. It opened strong with a 258 total, I believe, global. It might open up a little bit in the UK the week before. There might have been some limited releases, but the big release here in the US that weekend, $134 million domestic, $124 international, $250 total. Second best opening during COVID after Spider-Man No Way Home. Also had a, a pretty healthy second weekend. It only dropped about, I think it was like 51%, um, which is really healthy. Like, uh, If able to maintain that, that, that's a really good rate. Comic book movies generally see drops of about Marvel films see drops in like the mid fifties to low sixties generally because they're front loaded. Uh, and it's actually the same with DC films as well, but the DC films, uh, they both tend to drop whether which one drops more. It's kind of a matter of which movies you slice from each of them. Uh, but this one's doing well. It's doing really well. COVID or not like 500 million after two weeks is good. I think it's yeah. going to easily clear 750, probably approach a billion. And if it hits a billion, that will be that's the that's the watermark. I think, and again, like for a darker movie like that, you know, I think that the Spider-Man movie is a little bit more accessible to different age groups, and so it doesn't surprise me that that did a little bit better. But for a dark movie, that I think it's close to a three-hour runtime or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, that, those are pretty big numbers. Again, once the movie kind of gets to that three-hour runtime, it's harder to fit in more viewings in a single day, and so. Again, putting up those kind of numbers, you know, with a little bit less of an audience to be targeted and less, uh, you know, kind of run screen times that you can have, you know, pretty impressive. I have not seen the movie yet. I still, I really do want to watch it, but uh, fortunately, my my home life is taking over 
my ability to get out to movie theaters. Um, but I, I think you did see it, Jake. Do you, do you have any like impressions that you can share without spoiling the movie for us? I did. I did see it, and I will. Just some news: it's coming out, uh, I believe, on demand, uh, probably on HBO. It's coming out on demand, I think, um, the twenty seventh or twenty sixth, but towards the end of April. I don't know when it's coming to HBO Max. I imagine it's going to be a little longer, especially if the movie is making, still making money. Um, but the things I would say was that were that I liked it. It's good. Robert, I liked Robert Pattinson, but it is too long. It's too long. It, that's kind of what I've heard. It's like people like it, but they're like, I, we could have edited like 30 minutes out of this. Before. Yeah. And I, I, I always say I won't do this and I'm not going to sit here and like actually rewrite the film, but I am going to say, I saw it with a bunch of guys. I saw it with my brother and his friends and we walked out and everyone like walked in, everyone heard the hype. Oh, it was better than dark Knight, as good as dark Knight. Everyone walked out and nobody was like upset with that expectation. Like, Oh, it sucked. But every of amongst the eight or seven of us, there was total you total unanimity or agreement. It was good. It was not nearly as good as dark Knight. Like, that's God, interesting. But like, you still feel like dark Knight's kind of like, Oh, without a doubt. I mean, just from like, let's even say they were equal. Like, it was too long. This movie is 30 minutes longer. And like, this is, I'm not going to go into full review here. You as a viewer watching the movie, I don't think you need to be like a, a fans like us or like a student, like to basically sit there as a, as a, a watcher and say, hey, I could have easily cut out 30 to 40 minutes of that film and lost like nothing. Like the best way to describe it is that there's like a 15 minute opening about Batman and it shows like all these different scenes uh, and it's really cool and it's really effective, but I'm not joking you. It's like 12 to 15 minutes and it shows like three to four scenes of like violence unfolding across Gotham and it's great, but it's long. And that's the approach to every I'm going to deep, and the, and, but the yeah. one last thing I'll say is like, as someone who loves comic book movies and fantasy movies, the most common critique I heard I hear is like issues in the third act, or like a film that doesn't know when to end, and the fact that critics weren't ringing that bell for this film just blew my mind because like it is, again as a fan like you'll there are a few times where you look at your watch and like not only because it's long but you're like is that not the end of the film? Like what else is there to like, and so I've gone on too long. That sounds really negative. I highly, if you have the time, I'd recommend go seeing it. But the problem is like for me to see it, it was a four and a half hour endeavor. And yeah. And you're in with the trailer. Like you're going to have to go to the bathroom at some point if you drink anything. Cause I'm not, if you sit through the trailers and it's not like that a long, I'm going on too long. It's really good. If you have the time, go see it. If not, I would just get it on demand in six weeks at your couch, like, or four yeah, I mean, weeks. That's probably what I'm going to end up doing. Um, but, like, I, you know, I talk a lot. I, you know, there's a lot of movies that I appreciate when they have long run times, but it's it's one of those things the movie kind of has to earn the runtime. And, like, it, if the director knows how to use the length to make the ending of the movie more dramatic than it would have been if it was a night, you know, some, there are some times where I feel like it is justified, but then, like, the other end of that is, like, you don't want that 
feeling of like this movie should have ended 20 minutes ago and I'm still here watching so like you don't really want your viewer having those kind of thoughts and so it can be tricky when you go, go with those longer run times and I also think like it's one thing to say like oh yeah Return of the King was three hours Avengers Endgame was three hours like those were also the end of longer of multiple right. stories told across multiple films so yeah I don't think either of them really nailed the ending with like multiple basically multiple endings in the third act it's a little less forgivable when it's the first film in the franchise. So I'm leaving it at that. It's still good, but I know I'm going to, there's a, I'm going to see the second one. I saw this opening night. I'm going to see the next one opening night. I'm going to try and see this again in theaters. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I'm just a little baffled at, by how like s- the strong critical reaction for this film. And I just, that feels so negative. But I'm just surprised, like as a fan, like again, like the, the, what they tend to, what critics, I don't understand what critics value and don't value in these films because it seems like very off to me. And without you seeing the film, it's like hard for me to have this conversation or make that argument. Can so, I ask, like, um, which one, what was your favorite performance? Was it Pattinson? No. Um, Colin Farrell was really good. Really? Farrell. Okay, cool. He, he's not in it a lot. So, but, but Pattinson's good. Like, Pattinson. I hate, I always sound so negative when I talk about the DCU films, but like, I do want to say like, this film was really good. I, I am upset with the length just because from a sheer, you talked about Spider-Man, like Spider-Man had those two things going for it. It's 30 minutes longer, which over the course of a day means like a full extra one or two showings, depending on how long the theater's open, which adds up over the course of weeks and hundreds of thousands of runtimes. But the other thing too, is that it plays to more op fans. So the way, like when I left this film, uh, my frustration was, I know it's going to do well. If it was shorter, like there was a better, shorter movie in there. And not only do I think would that have been probably better received, even like strong, it would have a stronger reception from fans and audiences, but I want to see Batman make a billion. Like uh, Batman is, I love comic books. I love comic book movies. What they've done to Batman and Superman, it would be like, it would be like saying you're an NBA fan and then you create this like NBA all-star game and you make Magic and Johnson like the two worst players in the game. Like, I, I, I don't know if that makes sense or... or, or it's going to be Magic and Bird, but Magic and Johnson are the same right Who did I say? I'm not... You said Magic and Johnson. It's okay. I said, you're right, Bird or Johnson, or I was going to, or meant to say Jordan or Magic. Like, if you like basically take, like to me, it's like those two, Spider-Man and like the Hulk are like, and like... Captain America in my like pantheon. So like, and with and like, this film's good. I think, yeah, I, I do think like the two and a half hour runtime is more of the sweet spot. I think that's kind of what Nolan was shooting for too, because it's like it's still a comic book movie, and like you can, I mean, two and a half hours is still a lot of time to, for for a movie, and so it's like to go for that extra thirty minutes, you really got to be bringing something that's worthwhile. And so it, it, I mean, again, I haven't seen it, but it's not surprising me that that's kind of like the early critique about the movie for a lot of people. Can I just say two things though about why like it's excite like you should see it like it's exciting sure. action scenes are incredible like a lot of good action uh, and there's a chase scene that's like just amazing like really strong I don't want to I probably I I'm not gonna say anything else there the, it's a really really good fun exciting movie it, again it just at certain points it feels like it drags or it's a little long and I think if a tighter movie this would be an easy A. Like that's, I see an A plus in it, but it comes out like to a B plus A minus. I've I've had essays I've written that are like that, that, you know, they go two paragraphs too long. Yeah. 
you pod with me. I do it every day. I just did it. I just did it in that segment. Yeah, so. That was all gold, Jake. That was all gold. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're too kind. You're, you're a very generous man, Seth. Um, I will say that whenever you do see that, I'm happy to do uh, the pod with you on it. One thing I do want to say though, I as before when we before this film came out, I criticized it and said I was I was very much like I remember saying it's too many villains, I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, you were skeptical. Proven wrong. Happy to say I was proven wrong. Again, some gripes, but like no film's perfect. Hey, a big man, a big man can admit when when, you know, when he's proven wrong. I'm a big man, and the last thing I'll say, the villains were really cool. I mentioned Colin Farrell was my favorite. They have a lot of villains. They all have a role to play. They're all well developed. They're all well thought out, well acted. So really happy. Looking forward. Looking yeah, forward to talking I, about it with you. Yeah, I want to see it for sure. All right. Next on the agenda, we'll keep this one quick. Obi-Wan trailer dropped since we last spoke. Just curious if you'd seen it, any thoughts on it, any questions? I saw it. Um, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I didn't fully understand every single uh, aspect of it. I didn't like read any breakdowns of it or anything. I just kind of watched it and just let it wash over me, I guess. Um, it looked cool. I mean, it, I, I think McGregor's kind of aged to that right age where he can kind of play the in-between young Obi-Wan and the, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, uh, the older Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. He's kind of in that right, right age right now, mm-hmm. age range to kind of play that like in-between uh, period for him. Um, well, it's kind of working out like Palpatine, where like they hired him as a young man and aged him up in yeah. Return of the Jedi, and then it ended up like when they ended up making the next movies, he was at the right age. It's just... It's... It, wasn't... <laughs> it was a little creepy to me when he's just like spying on young Luke Skywalker. There was a little like voyeuristic uh you know older man staring at a younger boy <laughs> uh i didn't get that but i think that's fair it's uh it, it'd be hard for me to just shoot that down um but no i yeah i i didn't get that but that's fair and look, i mean also just like hearing the duel of the fates music i mean i love that um i love that score and so hearing that in the trailer was really cool um do you want me to give was- a little context as to like the i, I did a little research and sure, and sure have, but I, I cut you off. Was there anything else you wanted to say before I rudely interrupted? I, was, like, I, I wasn't sure if I saw Darth Maul in the preview or if that was like a different character, but I did wonder if I was like seeing a Darth Maul person like with the double red lightsaber. So I, I, I don't think so, but Darth Maul was, he did have a cameo in this because Darth Maul is alive during this point. Um, so for a little context, the premise of the show is that Obi-Wan does something to attract the Inquisitors or the Empire, and then he needs to lead a trail away from Tatooine. Now, whether it's him or Luke, it's unsure, um, but that allow me to explain the Inquisitors. The Inquisitors are the ones you saw. It's the guy with the old white face and the dark red eyes and the, the woman running around leaping. They're the ones who had those double-edged lightsabers. I'm going to go super nerd here, but I actually was prepared for this, so it's ready to go. It's going to be super tight. For true fans of Star Wars, they know that the Sith have a rule of two. There's only ever two Sith, the Master and the Apprentice, who's Palpatine and Vader. They do, however, that doesn't mean they don't have other dark side users. The Sith are basically one of their, it's like the Jedi. It's their form of the Jedi. Uh, The only major things being, though, that they don't teach them. They purposely choose them 
they're not always going for the most powerful people. Like Palpatine doesn't want rivals. So they're generally chosen. They're more like spies and hunters. And like, they're more like assassins. They're not necessarily choosing the most powerful in like terms of raw power. But what they're mainly supposed to do is hunt Jedi and hunt force sensitive children and either abduct those children, generally supposed to abduct the children and kill the Jedi. Uh, and most of them are either former Jedi or former Padawans who either willingly turned or were forced, basically caught and then tortured and turned into forced to the dark side. There's apparently four Inquisitors in the trailer. I didn't recognize all of them. Um, one of them, I think, was the Grand Inquisitor, and that was the guy with the big with the big white guy with the. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but he is the he is the strongest of them, and he is actually dangerous, but not again, not a real rival to Vader, but. What they're doing is blending the live action series with the cartoon series or the or the CGI one. These are the Inquisitors are really big in Rebels, and so even though the Inquisitors might not be as powerful as Vader, they're still dangerous mainly because they are dark side users. They play dirty, and they also normally hunt and fight in packs. So like, it's where I'm going with this. They are really fun villains. I love the dark side users, and like the the way they're depicted in Rebels is really cool. And I'm excited to see. It looks like they have a couple of those characters here and some new ones. So I, I love the world building. I love the expansion. I'm excited to see them. And I've already gone on too long. Um, is there going to be like a um, like Hayden Christensen cameo as Vader somewhere in this? There is. And apparently he and Obi-Wan Kenobi are actually going to duel. And I don't understand how that's possible. Because, again, like Star Wars has done a good job. But... I thought it was pretty clear they didn't see each other until yeah. New Hope. But I imagine that, the, I mean, it's Hollywood. It's like basically a comic book. They can find a reason for them to fight. Um, actors, yeah, like, I mean, I, I can see that they'll find some way to kind of like pull it off. But, um, also, yeah. There could be, <laughs> they could play into it in a natural way. Like there was a fraying of Vader's and Palpatine's relationship that isn't fully portrayed like yes we know it has to deal with luke but it all happens mainly off screen in the first trilogy so maybe this is like the maybe who knows how they play into it but there we do know again going super nerd here vader was able to hide things from palpatine he was one of the few people who could actually hide things from palpatine how why that gets into the whole i don't understand the force thing but he so maybe there's the idea that they did meet and he's able to somehow hide it from Palpatine. And that's the first time he realizes that you can, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm ready now. I'm stopping. But the other thing that it's like, you know, uh, Obi-Wan, I think always was one of my favorite characters. Um, and like, I was just kind of interested in the, like what the actual style of the series is going to be like. It's like, he's the only like British accent guy uh, that's like kind of on the light side. Um, and I've, I've always kind of found that. Interesting. So I wonder if they'll kind of, I'm not saying it'll be like a British version of it, but I've, I just kind of wondered about the style of it because it's like, you know, Mandalorian definitely has this sort of Western sci-fi type of style. And I wondered if like, if they're going to try to have this Obi-Wan series kind of have its own style. I don't believe the director is British, but that doesn't, I guess that certainly doesn't mean can't have British sensibilities. Um, I guess I'm not entirely sure what you mean. Like maybe more so, are you just saying like, like kind of like how the British do their serials? Like they're like the British uh, yeah, shows? I mean, I don't, like, I don't know if I'd have like a James Bond vibe to it or just like, I don't know, but it's like, he's the one character that's like clearly British, you know? And it's just, it's kind of like, I don't know. I, totally. I think it's, it's no. style like that or something. 
no, now I see what you're saying. Um, no, no, I, I think I could see that. Like there is, it is going to be like subterfuge and like, I feel like that type of like shadow games. Like he, he's basically a spy. He's undercover. Like how, so he has to maintain cover and I, basically it's like shadow games. He's going to have to lead them like astray. Um, I mean, if I was in the creative department, that's kind of, I'd be like, let's, let's do some like James Bond kind of British spy type of stuff. And like, let's see if we can merge that with like, the sci-fi aspect of it. That'd yeah. kind of be what I would be pushing for. But I don't, you know, that it might be totally different stylistically. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, from what I saw in the trailer, it, it looked more like, I say Star Wars in the sense of like Lucas and the animated series. Yeah. Like it was like, like Star Wars style. Yeah. Like the, again, there's just glimpses, but <laughs> Again, I don't understand what I don't understand the aversion that J.J. Abrams and that first, and the most recent trilogy had to like really embracing the lightsabers, but like it already looks like this one is embracing it more. Like so, like lean into that. People like that. Like it's your one of your differentiators. Don't be ashamed. Like again, and, and I say that as like all these other series. Like I just saw Sh- Shang Chi. All of the villains are basically have lightsabers. They have glowing swords. Like it's a really cool visual. It's a really cool optic. You own it. Lean into it. I'm going on too far. I'm stopping myself. Okay. <laughs> anything? Anything else you want to ask or no? Um, I, I think that, I think I'm good on Star Wars. All right. I'm I'm thinking we're, we're ready to close out. One last thing. MLB is back. Lockout is over. I'm not going to go into the negotiations. Just wanted to get your thoughts. How um, thoughts on the ending and what your World Series prediction is? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy it's back. Some of the rule changes were a little weird to me. You know, the um, uh, full-time DH in both leagues. They, they're, I think they're outlawing the ships now. I think they're doing the bigger base bases thing, which I yeah. think is a weird one. Yeah, and it's like, do we really need larger? Did anyone, was anyone asking for larger bases? I, I hadn't really. I didn't know that was a big need. Um, Apparently, first, it was done to encourage. Stealing and prevent injuries. Hey, okay, if, if you say so. <laughs> I don't know if that's what's going to happen with that, but personally, like, I am happy they got rid of the man on second base in extra innings. I never liked that rule. Um, I'm a little sad they're getting rid of the D, they're adding the DH to the NL. Um, and I also, I was not really a proponent of banning shifts. Like, I, I was more of a proponent of, like, hitters should be adjusting and hitting the ball the other way. And so, but again, yeah um i actually agree on the shifts i that is how i i felt until like that's how i felt when they first started doing it in tampa bay like 15 17 years ago like i remember i remember with giambi madden started the shift that he went from a 300 hitter to a 250 hitter uh so at 20 years later when the if the players refuse to change then like you have to change that, then i think you have to change the world that, that's my feeling but again If you and I were negotiating, I wouldn't have died on that hill. Like that would be the first thing off my. That literally would have been the first thing. If you're like, I don't like that, but like, okay. And also, it's not clear to me. Like, okay, so you can't shift your infielder across second base, but can you pull your left fielder into right field and put three outfielders? You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't clear to me if like there's no shifting in the outfield either, or if you can still kind of do stuff like that. You know, it's funny because I kind of agree too. Because like. I watched, the, as you know, I watched the Yankees, and there have been seasons where, like, some of the recent seasons, they've been the best positioned. Like, they're using the same things. It's about, like, whether it's a shift in the infield or outfield, like, what, if you know where someone hits it to, I do think it's a little frustrating that you can't shift your defense in that position. Uh, 
but again, I do see it like that's my idealistic standpoint, but from a practical standpoint, as a fan of the game, like if it hasn't changed in 20 years, like I, I think that they're in such a place now where if they change it now and it doesn't work out, then they can just change it back and the game wouldn't like if it. I will say it has been weird the last like five to 10 years, like a ball hit straight up the middle past the pitcher. Like for the first half of my lifetime, that was always a base hit. And like even before the camera angle changed, I'd be like, oh, that guy got a base hit up the middle. And now so often there's a guy like right on top of second base that just like scoops that ball up and throws it over to first. And like it has been weird as a viewer at times, not always knowing where the defense is and not knowing exactly like what it is like right off the bat. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Yeah, and it also is frustrating when that's like the outfield shot and it's like, oh, that's to the gap. And it's like, oh, no, they they had all three outfielders in the gaps. Like, okay, fun. Um, So, yeah, okay. Well, we're excited. Baseball's back. Quickly, World Series prediction, AL I know. Um, I hate to be this guy, but I, I do kind of think the, the Dodgers, uh, I feel like they have the most talent. I agree. Well, um, who won the AL? Um, boy, that's a tough one. I want to say I want to say the Yankees will be there, but I don't. I mean, they, they haven't done making all that. Aren't done with all the roster moves. I did think that trade with Donaldson. They, they traded like Urshela and Sanchez to get Donaldson. I mean, that was a weird trade. I like Donaldson on defense. Um, just not sure. I wouldn't give it up on on Urshela really. I guess. It, the Donaldson trade, I understand and I don't. For a team that has been like talking about financial security and financial responsibility. And then seeing the people they're willing to spend money on, like Gene Carlos Stanton and Josh Donaldson, like it's so just jarring. Like, I'll leave it at that. I want to say the Yankees too. I'm going to say though the Dodgers. And I think, honestly, I'm going to pick the White Sox. I don't think they're going to make it, but I I want them to win over the actual teams I think will make it. That's not a bad pick. They do. I mean, I think the White Sox are, yeah, that's a good dark horse pick. All right. That does it for today. That does it for the news, Seth. You want to say goodbye to your friends? Bye.